Welcome to episode 22 of the RMD podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily. I'm Chris Clow, editor of RMD. For this episode, we sat down with John Lundy, the president of Reverse Market Insight, to discuss the trends and level of business the reverse mortgage industry has been enjoying for much of the past year, particularly since the onset of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic in March of 2020. While business has been moving at a steady pace for much of that time, there are some potential caveats that can be discussed, including the pronounced level of heckam to heckam refinances that are taking place and what that says about the industry's ability to bring in new customers, as well as what the impact of the proprietary product landscape has been over the past year. Still, there is a lot to be optimistic about, considering the resiliency that the industry has demonstrated when faced with a period of necessary change and adaptation to a host of new concerns that the pandemic created. We discuss these things, some of what RMI itself has been up to and has plans for in the future, industry trends that may need more of a focus from those in the business, and a whole lot more. Hope you enjoy it. John, thank you so much for joining me on the RMD podcast. I appreciate that you were making the time. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, um, for the few people who don't know who you are, because chances are if someone's listening to the RMD podcast, they've seen your name show up a lot in our publication in addition to other things that you contribute to. But tell us a little bit about what it is that you do in the reverse mortgage industry and how you got involved in it. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't know who I am. We don't do anything that's super visible, I guess, other than collaborating with you guys and some other folks around the industry. But uh, I actually got involved in the reverse mortgage industry in March of 2004. I started at Financial Freedom back when they were kind of the dominant player at the time and doing basically 50% of the origination and you know similar on the servicing side. And so it was a, a great place. You know, originally it was uh, simply kind of the next stop in my career journey, but um, it was really a great place to get into the weeds and really understand the reverse mortgage industry and kind of all the different perspectives and aspects to it. And so my role there was really managing the reporting internally for everything from, you know, kind of marketing on the front end through sales to processing, underwriting, closing, fulfillment, post closing, and then uh, servicing valuing the MSRs. Back then, everything was sold to Fannie Mae. So uh, a little simpler on that side back in those days. But yeah, that that was my introduction to reverse. You know, At that point, financial freedom was also growing like 50% every year or more. And so it was... Uh, and, and the whole industry was doing that. So it was, uh, it was quite a time, quite a moment to jump into the space. And then, yeah, started RMI in March of 2007, three years later, and been doing that ever since. Great. Excellent. And the business, it seems like, has been on a pretty solid trajectory over the past year or so. It seems like people are a little more interested in the reverse mortgage product category. People have speculated the relationship that the pandemic has to that. And you and I have spoken quite a lot in RMD's coverage over the consistency, I guess, that the industry is experiencing. But considering how long you've been involved in the business and the highs and lows that you've seen in the past, What's your general take on the industry's health right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we're in a we're in an interesting place. We're in a fairly good place, but in the very long term, you know, if I think about we're volume-wise, origination volume-wise, we're in a somewhat similar place to where I joined the industry. We have a lot more 
existing customers in the servicing portfolio uh, just by virtue of there being, you know, I guess 17 years more <laughs> um, activity accumulating there, which is kind of a scary thought when I really think about <laughs> that number. But, you know, so the negative way to look at it is we're roughly half of the peak of the industry volume, you know, a little less than half in terms of origination side as what we were, you know, 2007, 2008, you know, that kind of time frame. But all that being said, you know, I think we have a lot of really good things, you know, tailwinds in our favor. You know, interest rates are very low, home prices are rising. And, you know, I think we're quite a bit further down the proprietary product development you know, cycle. But at the same time, you know, I, I think there's always things that are, can be done better. But, you know, then again, we've also made a lot more headway again in the last 15, 17 years with realtors, with financial planners, with the broader, you know, just kind of public perception of the product and the industry. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of progress that's been made, but there's also still a lot of progress to be made. Do you think that um, the evolution that the product has gone, uh, specifically the Heckam has gone through on the regulatory side, has solidified the current volume that you're seeing compared to where the product was before it went through a bunch of changes? Or does it not really interact that way in terms of the, I guess, just like the solidness of the volume that we're seeing now? Yeah, so... When I think about that, I'm I'm thinking about you know sus- sustainability and stability of the product and how the product would interact over time. So I guess you know I think I think you use the word solidity, you know, and solidifying the product and the volume. I I think that's a good way to think about it. You know, at the end of the day, like what when I came into the industry, we had the same product that had existed since 1989 uh, on the Heckam side. And, you know, that product simply didn't survive the, couldn't survive from an insurance perspective, what happened in the Great Recession and the housing crash, you know, 2008, you know, and I I think we've seen a lot of changes that have really made the product more sustainable for FHA, which I think is a really good thing. I think it needs to be sustainable from an FHA perspective, but then also from a customer perspective, I think it is also more sustainable from a customer perspective. And, you know, with those two key stakeholders, you know, the business would not be here without customers, obviously. And it would be just completely different without FHA involved. And so I think when we think about that, you know, those those two, I think of as pretty necessary prerequisites for us to have an industry and certainly an industry of the scale and scope that we have today. You know, I think solving for for both of those challenges was very important and needed to be done. Obviously, that's a little bit of a painful journey in terms of origination volume and, uh, you know, operating a business within those constraints over time. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I I think it's been a good maturation and evolution on the whole. Obviously, there are, there's, everybody's going to find things, small details that, that they disagree with, but, um, and I would be no exception there, but at the same time, you know, from a long perspective, I think that that's been a necessary and healthy part of the evolution. Sure. Yeah. Well, kind of jumping off of the, uh, the solidity point, it seems like a lot of, uh, observers and people who work in the industry are talking about refinance volume, quote unquote, artificially bolstering the industry's numbers right now. Is that a concern of yours? Why or why not would that be a concern of yours? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of, I look at it in two ways. You know, I look at refis as potentially helping the borrower, right? And at the end of the day, I think the borrower needs to be the focus of everybody else involved in the industry. You know, what, what are the benefits that the borrower is going to achieve? And then how does everybody else operate around that in a sustainable fashion? And so, you know, I think when the borrower's home value has gone up pretty significantly, when interest rates have dropped, you know, when they can pursue a refinance that, you know, may not even cost them money out of pocket. And, you know, there, there are things that are honestly like it, there's a scenario I can paint where refinance is simply a healthy part of a maturing industry and product. That being said, I think there's also, obviously, we don't want to be churning and over refinancing customers and really creating more benefit for the originator than for the customer themselves. So I think there are some guidelines in place that help that. But you know that's always going to be a little bit tough with respect to the current environment where we have such low interest rates that you know provide additional borrowing capacity. And then also, obviously, at the same time, the over the past year, we've seen pretty dramatic rise in home prices in some areas that really, again, creates the potential for additional benefit on the consumer side. So I think that's kind of the, the broad strokes that I think about when it comes to refi. But I think most importantly, you know, we as an industry and as, uh, you know, if you're an originator in this industry or just any company involved in the industry, we can't afford to lose sight of new customers. The, the fact remains that we have a very low share of the potential customers for this product. And, you know, there simply are not that many potential borrowers to refinance. You know, this is a, a fundamentally different position than the forward mortgage world where, you know, it's, it's a very mature industry and there's virtually unlimited <laughs> customers to refinance. We're not in that position. You know, we have a long way to go and a lot of work to get there. And I think that longer term perspective of the work involved in getting to a more mature, you know, serving more customers and serving a much greater share of the potential customers for this product, I think always needs to be a fundamental part of, you know, anybody's strategy in this business. A perennial question always seems to be how the industry can grow into a more mainstream financial solution for retirees. Compared with pre-pandemic volume, do you see the industry is getting closer to that or is there still a way to go? Yes. So on both fronts, <laughs> um, I, I think we have made progress. I, I don't think there's any question there. And, and some of that hard work I was referring to earlier in terms of acquiring new customers, doing work with other stakeholders, other you know potential advocates for the industry and financial planners, uh, realtors, and just the mainstream perception of the product. I think there's been a lot of hard work done on all those fronts. But that being said, there's there's probably more work in front of us than there is behind us. You know, and and so it's the product is, you know, what, 30 years old, you know, a little more than that right now. And I'm hoping that even though we have more work in front of us, you know, it doesn't take 30 years. You know, we're we're a little over two percent penetrated in terms of potential customers. And that's been going down over the last couple of years. And so, you know, partly because of refinances. So we've been having good volume, but with a growing share of that being refinances, I guess to throw some numbers out there, because that's my job, right? But 
like in uh, 2019, refis were 8% of HECM endorsements. And Q1 of 2021, they were 37%. Cool. So that's a pretty dramatic difference. And when you think about what that does in terms of expanding our customer base, you know, every refinance is not adding, it's net neutral. It's not adding to our customer base as an industry perspective. And so, you know, again, while I think refis aren't a negative inherently, we can't lose sight of the fact that really we need to get much, much higher than a 2% penetration to really have an effect and, and benefit in some of the biggest challenges our society is facing. Another analysis we've done, you know, in thinking about how the industry grows its installed base is, you know, what is correlated with higher volume? What is correlated with more customers being served? You know, the strongest correlation that we found, and, and this is, again, very simple level of analysis, but thinking about, you know, the more companies that are involved with this industry, that's historically associated with higher volumes. And I know that's not necessarily the most comforting thing for somebody that, or a company that's already involved in the space. But I think when we when we combine that with the idea that, look, we're only 2% penetrated and our volume is you know, a small fraction of what happens in the forward world every year, I think the underlying story is very clear that there's a lot more opportunity and additional companies coming in are really helping us get to a critical mass type of position where there's more opportunity for everyone. So, you know, I don't think competition is necessarily the biggest, should be the biggest concern right now in terms of growing this industry. I think the bigger competition is simply, are folks going to do the loan or not? You know, how do we get the message out to more people? And, you know, simply having more advocates, more companies involved, I think would go a long way towards that. One of the challenges for us is really thinking about how do we help support that you know, and so one of the things that we've evolved over the years is really making sure that our tools help our clients to bring additional customers into the industry, as well as additional companies into the industry, especially if, you know, obviously we're thinking about some of the wholesale clients that we have. And really it's crystallized around a couple different, you know, one concept that's really expressed for us in two different products that we offer. You know, the, our dashboard is one of the fundamental services that we offer. And then something we developed actually last year during the pandemic, what we call our uh, Hackam Neighborhood Widget. It's really designed to help customers uh, understand, and this is something that, that originators can put on their website, and potential borrowers can go in and interact with their website, see this widget, and understand, hey, I'm not the only one that is looking at this loan. I'm not the only one that has transacted and, you know, taken this solution. And, you know, it really is designed to show folks, hey, in my immediate surroundings, you know, directly around me within a radius, there's this many folks that already have a reverse mortgage in place. And there are this many that have done it over the last year. And it's two simple pieces of data, but it really emphasizes the idea that, hey, I'm not the only one. And, and this is a, a good thing for me to think about. And it's not some experiment I'm running on myself. And again, same thing if you're a wholesaler or you know somebody going out, whether you're looking to bring a forward originator into the space and help them understand the opportunity, you know, looking at that volume, looking at how many installed loans there are, you know, really both go a long way towards helping folks understand that social proof concept and that you know, this is something worth considering. 
That kind of brings up another question, just in terms of you talked about just more companies participating is generally good for the industry. It's been a while now since the major banks that did offer reverse mortgages have gotten out of the business. Do you think that their re-entrance is necessary or has the time that's passed since they got out, and I'm talking like Wells Fargo, Bank of America, do you think that the industry has proven that it can thrive without those big institutions? Uh, I think it would be hard for us to make the case that we can thrive. Thrive would be a pretty strong word. Our volume is uh, significantly lower than I think when those institutions were involved. Sure. I think it underlines the point, honestly, that um, we do need, and, and ultimately, how do we get there? We get there by showing those types of institutions that there is enough business here to be meaningful for them. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a uh, chicken or the egg kind of a problem. I think we focus on what we can do. Eventually, that will attract them back into the industry and into the space, you know, but I absolutely think it would be a help if they were involved today. And I think we have some very clear history that would underline that point pretty easily. Sure. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, you talked a little bit before about proprietary products. What would you say is the impact of proprietary products on the general health of the industry? It seemed like a lot of major lenders trumpeted their private products as the real path forward for the industry, but last year seemed to see the emphasis on those products diminish a little bit. Has the impact of those products helped, or is Heckam going to be the driver of the industry for a while to come? So at the risk of sounding like a consultant, the answer is, again, yes <laughs> to both of those. You know, I, I think just by the sheer scale of Heckam today relative to proprietary, Heckam is going to be the driver unless something, you know, negative happens to Heckam, right? I think that's the only scenario I really see Heckam not being the main driver of the industry for the next several years. I'd love to be wrong and see proprietary, you know, dramatically grow from where it's at today and Heckam, you know, stay stable or, you know, growing at a, a slower rate to where in the near future we see proprietary doing more volume and really being more of the major driver for the business. But it's that doesn't seem like the most likely scenario. You know, I think looking at the past year, I think it really underlines the different challenges for the two products, uh, treating all the proprietary as one product. You know, Heckam in a crisis doesn't have a liquidity challenge. You know, there will always be a buyer for the financing, the HMBS, right? It's a government guaranteed full faith and credit. It, it's, it is something that will find a buyer even in a crisis. And I think we've proved that over the past year with the pandemic and going through, again, yet another challenge for secondary markets just in general. Proprietary products... Yeah, so, so on the Heckam side, a crisis really becomes a pricing challenge. And those pricing changes just flow back upstream from the secondary markets to what's happening in the origination markets. And maybe there's interest rates need to change or you know the the cost structures for originators might need to change because of that uh, but we actually saw it correct fairly quickly right there wasn't a prolonged pricing challenge even in the covid crisis on the proprietary side it was an interesting mix and and really there is much more of a liquidity challenge there because there isn't the same guarantee behind 
those securitization structures. And so, you know, we saw some lenders have to pull their products because, you know, they, in order for them to continue offering those products, they need to recycle that capital. Uh, they can't afford to just park it on the balance sheet forever and, and, and let them sit there for the five, 10, 20 years that it might take uh, for them to recycle that capital naturally through a loan paying off. And so, you know, that's where we see a little bit more volatility in proprietary products being able to be offered through a crisis. But at the same time, I think they are, they are always going to be a fundamental part of a healthy and growing reverse mortgage industry. And they're absolutely needed for us to get significantly beyond where we're at in terms of a 2% you know, 3% kind of a penetration number, we really have to have much more tailored and tuned products that address customer needs. Mm -hmm. Sure. Of course. I think that that's a pretty understandable perspective to have. In terms of what you see in the numbers, and are there any reverse mortgage industry trends that you identify in the data that maybe aren't talked about enough by the people that are in the business? What do you think the industry should talk about more than it does these days? Yeah, so there, there's a, you know, kind of uh, talking about versus really staying focused on, you know, and I guess I'll, I, I will default back to really where, where I think some more focus should be paid, you know, and so I referenced earlier our penetration rates going down, you know, and, and so to put some numbers around that, like the HECM servicing portfolios in aggregate, for the companies active in the space have gone down about 140,000 loans in the past three years. So that, that's about 25% over that period of time. Part of that is due to simply older portfolios and seeing payoffs happen, seeing assignments to FHA under, under the uh, assignment option in the insurance, you know, seeing some of that happen. But again, you know, part of that is simply we're just not adding enough new clients and, you know, I think we need to do a bit more, do a bit better there and really focus again, make sure we retain an ongoing focus in the new customer acquisition space, you know, and, and earlier I was, uh, we were talking a little bit about proprietary products and, you know, I neglected to throw out examples, right? And I, I it's easy to have ideas and have, you know, examples to throw out. But if we simply look at the forward mortgage space and look at the variety of products available there, I think there's a lot we can learn. You know, so if I if I think about on the forward side, you know, they have different loans, different products for different customer needs. So if somebody wants to build their house, there's a construction to perm loan. And, you know, it's structured differently to reflect the needs of that individual. I think we're starting to see some of that. You know, I, I like some of the innovation we've seen recently where, hey, you know, there's there's a initial term where, hey, there's some payments involved because maybe we're going to do this at a little bit lower age. And that can dramatically expand the potential for the product, both by dropping the age requirement, you know, lowering that, but also, you know, the, the cash flow and just kind of the way products are built can be very powerfully impacted by some early cash flows coming back on the loans. And so, you know, thinking again, you know, let's try to understand a little bit more about what our clients and potential customers, you know, what their needs really are, how we can design products around that, you know, 
again, going back to the forward side, there's there's fix and flip loans, you know, there's uh, energy efficiency improvements, you know, loans that are kind of tailored for that. There's loans for first time home buyers. There's loans for, you know, public servants like neighbors next door, you know, and things that are really tailored for specific situations. And I think that is the future of the reverse mortgage industry. I don't think we should try to have one loan meet every single need. I think we should really, you know, try to be a little bit more specific. And I know, again, with with volume where it's at, that's a really tough one because in order for a product to survive, it needs to have a certain amount of volume and be able to be aggregated and offered at attractive levels in the secondary market. So obviously there's there's a lot of challenges there. I'm not the first person to think of some of these things, but again, I think there needs to be a long-term sustained focus on some of those examples there. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think that that's pretty understandable. Well, um, I'd like to bring it a little bit back to RMI because you guys have been around for a while now through uh, an abundance of industry changes. So how would you say RMI has most had to evolve over the years to adequately stay on top of all the changes that the industry has to go through really kind of every year? There's always some kind of significant new guidance that seems to be handed down. Has there been anything that you guys have had to do to keep up with the industry's changing dynamics that maybe some people may not realize? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think... um you know, you can't survive for, you know, 14 plus years without having good customers, good clients, but also evolving with our clients' needs. And so in many ways, we've we've mirrored some of the changes that have taken place in the industry, you know, but I guess in just the most recent change is, is obviously the change from really in-person interactions to virtual, you know, so we went through that same change that I know a lot of our clients went through. All of our, you know, historically, all of our interactions, all of our, you know, new client engagements and interactions were at a conference room table, you know, not dissimilar to the kitchen table that we've always talked about in the industry for loan originators. And, you know, for all of that to go virtual and really understand how to be, meet our customers where they need us to be. And so that's been an evolution that's involved everything from, you know, kind of trying to figure out traditional marketing for the first time. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's been an interesting adventure, and it reminded me of the process over the last year plus. For us, has really reminded me of the whole idea that you know the only people that ever say something is easy in in business or in life are people that either have no idea what they're talking about um, and have never tried it before, or they're so expert they it's like drinking you know breathing air or drinking water like they just. <laughs> They think everybody understands it the way they do. Sure. And so, you know, for us, it was very much going from, you know, we, we didn't really, we never focused on that. And so we're in that journey. We're in that middle where we, we definitely understand how hard it is now. And I think we have a, a much improved appreciation for some of those marketing challenges that our clients go through, you know, and so that's been helpful. And then, You know, I think the other big change, and this is much longer scale, you know, but if I take the 14, 15 year view on RMI, what we really are about is is helping folks transition from spreadsheets to software. Spreadsheets are great because they're so flexible, right? They let you answer a question or analyze a problem and really customize it to exactly what you're trying to, to solve. And that's great. 
and everybody can kind of like see it. It's a little intuitive. You, you get a good understanding. It doesn't take a lot of technical skill. I mean, there's, there is a lot of technical skill. There's a lot of things you can do with spreadsheet, but it's most basic level. It's pretty understandable and relatable for somebody that has a basic fluency there, you know, but RMI is really about, you know, Hey, there, there are some consistent challenges and analysis that you need to perform to succeed and improve and survive in the reverse mortgage business. And so what we really do is build customized and really specific software tools that help answer reverse mortgage business questions for our clients. And so that's a combination of these software tools, but also the data that we collect that we've been collecting, you know, for over 14 years now. And, and really that powers everything we do and what we try to do for, for our clients. Great. Oh, much, much appreciated. Well, just in terms of where you're at right now, how do you feel about the future of the industry? It's, it's full, as you well know, of optimists and pessimists, almost in equal measure. Uh, would you say you fall into one category over another? How are you feeling right now? I mean, I always think of myself as a realist, but everybody else tells me I'm an optimist. So I guess that's what I am. <laughs> um, and, you know, I guess the other way to think about it is uh, there's no way I would still be running a business focused entirely on the reverse mortgage business for 14 plus years where volume peaked for the industry in year two. Um, <laughs> if I wasn't some kind of optimist, right? I'm, I'm either an idiot or an optimist. So I'll assume that I'm an optimist, hopefully. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I made the joke to you a couple of years ago, you know, in the wake of the 2017 changes to the Hackman product, you know, a couple months after that, it was, it was very clear and it, you know, it was, it was fairly predictable before the changes went into effect after they were announced before they were effect, uh, went into effect, you know, it seemed very likely that we would have a reduction in volume, a reduction in margins and revenue per loan. And some of those key factors, frankly, for running a business for all of our clients, you know, and so maybe six months after I, I think I, I was saying, I was pretty fond of saying at the time that like the only people that are left in this business have to be optimists just right. by self-selection, right? Like there's no way you can still be here if you're not an optimist. I think that's turned around a little bit, right? Volume has recovered, you know, things are in a, a healthier place certainly than three years ago. So maybe we've kind of rebalanced uh, and we now have a little bit more of a mix. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully fingers crossed. Uh, we'll be, we'll be optimistic that maybe there's more optimists, I don't know. but well, John, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything new that RMI is working on that you'd like to speak to or anything we can expect to hear more about in the weeks and months ahead? Yeah, this has been fun. You know, I, I think from our perspective, we've, this last year and a half, you know, whatever it's been, it, it feels like 20 years, but you know, the calendar tells me I'm, I'm wrong on that. <laughs> tells us all. Yes. Yes. So, you know, we've really just been trying to, to focus and, and work on things where, again, we're trying to solve key reverse mortgage specific, you know, give answers to our, our clients business questions there. And so for us, that's really been, you know, I mentioned the widget earlier, you know, it, which is really, it's a way for folks to use our data without having to dive into spreadsheets or dive into even our user interface, our analysis tools. They can just put the widget on their website, clients find it, you know, potential business partners find it, and they get the value from what we do without they themselves having to be into the numbers, if you want to think about it that way. You know, so things like that 
We're also working on some tools that we'll be talking more about soon. When it comes to helping folks, you know, with with challenges on the pricing side, pricing loans, you know, whether that's facilitating and making it a little bit more efficient process for you know brokers and wholesalers, you know, to interact on that front. And you know, right now there's there's a lot of spreadsheets that fly around. There's a lot of uh, emails with attached spreadsheets, and you know, there's some good opportunity there for efficiency that I think really helps everybody, you know, get back to more valuable activities. Frankly, you know, these are things that. It can be simplified, and I think we're well positioned to do that. So yeah, we'll be talking a little bit more about that over time, and as well as you know, really helping connect the customer all the way through the process. And so yeah, we'll be talking a little bit more details about some of those things as we go. But for now, you know, we're we're, we're really uh, excited to be uh, you know almost done with this pandemic thing. Hopefully, right? Fingers crossed. I got yeah. my second shot. Uh, Saturday and uh, got a headache, got a little sore arm, you know, a little bit of stuff like that. But hey, I'll do it again if I need to. Oh it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's I'm ready to be done with this thing. Yeah, same, same here. I think a lot of our listeners probably are too. I'm getting my second shot tomorrow from the time we're recording. Hey. So hey, you know, it's always, always good. Gotta, gotta do the part. Well, hey, John, thanks again for taking the time to be a part of the RMD podcast. Really appreciate it, and keep us in the loop about what you have coming down the pike. Yeah, Chris, it's always fun to talk to you. And this has been great. I appreciate you inviting me on. And yeah, look forward to uh, more years together here. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to episode 22 of the RMD podcast. Again, a very special thanks to John Lundy at RMI for taking the time to talk with us about the state of the reverse mortgage industry, what's affecting it now, as well as what could affect it in the near future. For more news and insights on the reverse mortgage industry, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at reversemortgagedaily.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the RMD podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast content. I'm Chris Clow, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network based in Chicago, Illinois. See you next time.